All right. We are back on another episode of Line for Line. I have a very special guest in the building today, a very generous guest giving me his time today. You know what I'm saying? A very noble guy in the community, a really community leader. You know what I'm saying? Someone that the community can go to whenever they need help, guidance, strength, wisdom. You know, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself, young man, for the people. Man, listen, that intro, though, you like Talib Kweli, <laughs> People's Party, man. I appreciate you, man. Uh, my name is Lawrence Kirby, man. I lead a church here in the city of Kenosha called the Axe Church of Kenosha. I've uh, been here about 11 years, man. Just kind of loving serving people, man, and, yeah. and doing my thing. So, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So as we get started, just tell us a little bit about your Wednesday. How's your Wednesday so far today, young man? Uh, it's been good. It's yeah. been good. Uh, I met with a group of pastors this morning, about 12 of us, met, had lunch, uh, we've really been praying for this unity in the city and mm -hmm. really trying to figure out how much can churches actually do together. So yeah. that's been dope. Uh, just kind of walking through that process with those guys. Yes, sir. And then that's it, man. Been at home reading and writing and returning emails and a couple yes, of Zooms. You know, this season we in, you got tons of Zoom meetings. So mm -hmm. doing that to death. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that people just want to know a little bit about you, sir. Just tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Where do you come from? You know what I'm saying? Are you from Kenosha? They want to know the story. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I'm a transplant, man. I grew up in Racine. Born in Tennessee. Uh, oh. Memphis. Yeah. That's right. So okay. Funky Town, Memphis, 10. Shout out. That's where I was born. But I grew up in Racine. My dad is a pastor uh, in Racine, for those that don't know. Mm -hmm. So I was a baby when we moved here. And you got called pastor church in Racine. So, yeah, my mom and him and myself moved here when I was a baby. Uh -huh. uh, grew up in Racine. Lived in Mississippi for a while. Lived in Alabama for a while as a young adult. Um Came home, started in ministry, um, started serving at his church where he pastors, of course, and, you know, just leading and doing a bunch of different things there as I started preaching. And uh, I was a youth pastor. I was like a worship pastor. Mm -hmm. uh, I ran one of the nonprofit organizations that was a part of the church for a while. Um, and then I got called to lead a church here in Kenosha. So that's how I got to Kenosha. Um, and which church was that? Second Baptist. Second Baptist. So I came to Kenosha to Pastor Olin Arrington, who's a legend in this city uh, mm -hmm. for many years. Uh, was fighting cancer. And so he brought me in to preach and teach for him when he just couldn't do it because of the disease. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually the disease claimed his life, man. And um, the church asked me to stay on and be the next pastor. Yes, sir. So for five years, I led Second Baptist Church, uh, 97 year, 100 year old church now, 100 year old church in this city, man. So definitely uh, a pillar of the African-American community here in Kenosha. Yeah. So I had the honor to lead them for five years. And after five years, um, I evaluated where I was and what I was seeing and what I wanted to build. Um, resigned, left Second Baptist, and then we planted what we call the Acts Church. The Acts Church. Yeah. Oh, and what's that acronym short for? Uh, it's, it's from the Bible, actually. Uh, ACTS, the mm. Book of Acts. Gotcha. Um, the Book of Acts is really the story of the birth, uh, culture, and growth of the early church. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I began asking myself the question, like, what, what, what does... Uh, uh, early century or what does the, the first church look like in a modern world? Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? As I was asking that question and kind of praying through what that looked like, that that led us to plant Axe Church. Yeah. So your dad was, was a pastor from the time you were a baby until now, right? Yeah, yeah. My dad's been a pastor long before. He started preaching when he was 16 years old. Oh, wow. He was pastor in a church at 19. So before he was even married, he was a pastor in the church. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So. so it's safe to say that's how you got familiar with the Lord and how you how you got started on your journey? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, for me growing up, I never wanted to be a pastor. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I love my dad. I love the people at St. Paul Baptist Church in Racine. You know, some PKs have these horror stories and stuff they experience. I don't have none of that. Like, it was great. The families, you know, that I got to know that helped raise me were great. But for me, that was always my dad's thing. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It just wasn't my thing. 
Um, and so going through high school, I went to boarding school in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So it was an opportunity for me to kind of develop my own sense of who I wanted to be and who I was finally away from my dad, my, yeah. my family, <laughs> you know, because growing up in Racine, when, when you pass the Kirby son, you can't. I can't even smell like weed at the mall. Yeah, like, yeah. Reverend Kirby's son smell like weed at the mall. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? Yes, like, you, everywhere you go, it's, ain't you Reverend Kirby's son? Like, you know, so I went to boarding school and was able to excel and do well, but just kind of feel like I was spreading my wings and forming my own identity. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, college. And then at that point, I felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry mm -hmm. and I just wasn't going. Like, that's not, oh, no. I, that's not what I wanted for myself. Yeah. So I just, you know, did everything I could to try to drown out that voice and do the opposite, man. Yes, so. sir. So with your dad being a pastor, was there like ever any type of like bumping of the heads? Like, hey, son, I want you to be a pastor. Or you were maybe like, hey, I don't want to be a pastor. Was there ever anything like that? So not ever. Like my dad did a really good job of that. Yeah. Um, one of the things he understood and taught us is that ministry is a call. Like it's not a it's not a career choice where you just like, oh, I think I'll decide to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to see it as a call because the amount of sacrifice um, accountability, pressure, all the things that come with this life, you know, it, it's something that you have to have a resolve if you're going to do it and take it seriously. Mm -hmm. So he never, even, even when I told him, I felt like I was called to preach. He was like a word. Okay. Yeah. Like he even, he just kind of, <laughs> I had to keep coming back and he was like, okay, you for real. Yeah. You know, cause he didn't, he wanted to make sure that it wasn't anything I was just wanting to try or wasn't serious about, or even felt pressure. Yeah. Now the funny thing is, growing up, people will always be like, "Oh, you gonna be a preacher just like your daddy?" Huh? Mm -hmm. I was like, "Nah, not yeah. ever, not ever." <laughs> yeah, you know what gotcha. I'm saying. But <laughs> what would you say like your biggest joy is in the ministry, sir? I would say seeing people like change, like watching people grow. You know, spending time with people um, over a period of years and just kind of watching them go through different things mm -hmm. and grow and mature and feeling like you had an impact on people's lives, man. That's the most rewarding part yeah. uh, of what I get to do working with people, man. It's dope. Yeah. Pastors, man, you guys are like people's everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. you're, you're like a mentor. You know what I'm saying? You're a coach. You're just like everything. You know what I'm saying? People lean on you so much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Can you describe what that will be like? You know what I'm saying? Like knowing that you have to perform at a mental high level on a daily basis. You know what I'm saying? Because you're around people who look up to you and need you, you know what I'm saying? For their guidance and motivation. And I, I learned not to take myself too seriously. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, 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 if you focus on that pressure and you try to be everything to everybody, you, you're going to put an amount of stress on yourself. That's unbearable and unrealistic. Yeah. You know, so I learned early on, man, I try to walk in that daily, like not to take myself too seriously. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there's definitely some, some skills that I've developed that I feel like God has given me and, and, you know, with, with how to deal with people yeah. and to share truth with people and to walk with people during difficult times in their lives uh, and lead them as they navigate faith and the world around us and those kinds of things. So I try to be prepared to, to do those things and lead people in it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's, you know, I, I even cringe at this notion that as a pastor, I have to be people's everything. Cause it's such a, you know, it's, it's such a, a high platform to be on, mm -hmm. you know, that, that we see people fall off it all the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I try not to take myself too seriously. I try to walk with people, man, and love people and sit in community with people as mm -hmm. a brother. Like, like I get, I'm a leader, but I'm, I'm, I'm careful of the pedestal because I yeah. watch those topple all the time. Oh my gosh. Mean? Yeah. 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 Well, now, how would you, how would you like describe when people say as a pastor, you have to be perfect, you know, like how, 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 what are your interactions with that? Uh, well, none of us are. So that's yeah. the first thing. First thing, you know, if you take faith seriously and Christianity, if that's your persuasion, then you understand that 
humanity is flawed and we're not perfect. Mm -hmm. um, the, the goal is maturity. Even in the Bible, when you see the word perfect, uh, the actual word is is maturity. So it has to do with growth. It has to do with making progress. Yeah. It has to do with taking steps to move forward. You know what I'm saying? Now, on one hand, when you're a leader, when you're a pastor, there are certain expectations of lifestyle, of the stuff you say, of how you live, you know, all those things. Uh, but at, at the same time, I don't want to present myself as perfect or flawless or above reproach. Uh, because again, man, that, that becomes a pedestal is too much. Yeah. And then when you do make some type of mistake, you know, you put yourself up or you've allowed people to put you up on this platform and now everybody's devastated, yes, you know, sir. so there's that, but also try to keep good people around me. You know, mm -hmm. I have a community of people um, that I can be honest with, that I walk through life with, you know, that are able to, if I'm slipping in one area or another, you know, those are the folk that, that can pull my coattail and and help keep me grounded so yes, that's sir. that's super important yeah can you share an example of how a tragic situation may have affected members of your congregation directly and how you went about moving forward you know what i'm saying while dealing with like a tragic situation dealing with a man which one um uh oh <laughs> i mean you know part part of life is tragedy of course you know so when you connected to people and families there there's so much tragedy you deal with um yeah. i mean we're coming out of a pandemic you know COVID 19 where people especially initially were afraid, mm -hmm. didn't know what was going to happen. You know, people lost jobs, people kind of forced to be at home. Um, and so a lot of it, I found those early days of COVID-19 dealing with fear and trying to maintain a sense of community, even though it was difficult. Mm -hmm. So we began, you know, like Zoom meetings and conference calls and trying all these ways to just stay connected with people. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing for me, and I think our congregation was helping people, especially again in the beginning, walk through fear. You know, and that fear of the unknown. We don't know what this is. We don't know what this is going to be like. We don't know. You know, we, we just don't know. And that was the scariest part again, yeah. especially the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how, how would you approach interactions with um people who are non-believers? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how does that go? Like, how, how do you maybe give them a better understanding of what they may think or how they may feel about? I think it starts with developing relationships, you know, like with people. You know, the, the best way to kind of get through, connect with, minister to anybody is through relationships. Yeah. Um, so I think it starts with creating relationships and being in relationship with people. And then from that relationships, uh, they get a chance to, number one, see how you live and why you do what you do. Um, and it opens up opportunities to ask questions mm -hmm. and to try to understand, you know, and, and, and for me, my experience with with unbelievers, per se, is answering questions. You know, there's there's so many streams of Christianity and there's so many misunderstandings of what Christianity is all about and what it is and how it started and who's who, you know, like walking with people and answering those questions, you know. And, and if you had a place where you can't answer a question to, to honestly be like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel about this statement that I've always heard from the time I was a little kid? Come on. You ask five different pastors the same question, whether it's about Christianity or God, you're going to get five different answers. There's some truth to that. statement. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> hey, let's I mean, what I, like what I said earlier, man, you know, there, there's so many different streams of Christianity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That has been built over, you know, 1800 years of church history. Mm -hmm. And so there's. There's so many extremely different views and understandings um, that, that things get diluted. So there's yeah. absolutely truth in it. Gets that. watered down. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I mentioned, us, us calling our church Acts Church. One of the things I think is amazing about the book of Acts, when you read those stories in the early church history, 
like there was one church in each city. Like they would go into a city and start a church. Yeah. It wasn't like Corinthian Baptist church on this side of town mm -hmm. or Corinthian church of God in Christ over here. Like it was just the church and it yeah. was a purity in if you were a Christ follower, everybody believed the same thing. Everybody, yeah. you know, it, it's humanity got involved. You know, and over again, over 1800 years of church history, people got in disagreements. Mm -hmm. I think this, you think that I'm going to go start a movement here or I read it this way. You read it that way. I'm going to go start a movement there. And so division is something that is born out of human frailty, you yeah. know, that over years and years and years, the church is just divided. And so there's so many different streams of Christianity. You have such extremely different perspectives of people that all say they serve the same God. So mm -hmm. it can be confusing. Yeah. 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 Now. Now that we know that you're a long time in the game, you know what I'm saying? Looking back on how you first started versus now, you know what I'm saying? What will be your takeaway from what you know now versus what you knew back then? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, couple, couple things. Number one, I would say early on, I was focused on gifting and performing and not lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I was focused on being a good preacher and putting together a good public persona. Um, but I had a lot of, I was just living raggedy in a lot of ways. Oh, no. Honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living so, raggedy? Yeah. I was preaching and living raggedy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, because for me, it was all about the service and what you do and not so much about who you are. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I was, you know, one person in front of these people and somebody different in front of other people. Oh, no. You know, so just if I could do things differently. I would absolutely align like took me, you know, several years and heartbreak and tragedy and painful situations, uh, almost losing my wife, like all kinds of stuff yeah. to to get to the place where what I said and who I was was the same person. Gotcha. You know, uh, so there's that. Secondly, um, I think I embraced a lot of traditional things mm -hmm. without asking enough questions about why I did them or why I believed them. Mm -hmm. um, and so as I got older and just more well-versed in scripture and just comfortable in my own skin and relationship with God, I began to ask certain questions and I was like, oh, why do we do that? We don't need to do that. Yeah. That's not, that has nothing to do with faith. You know, so those are probably the two biggest things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, like we spoke earlier about you being in a, on the platform that you are on, how is it that you balance family, your daily lifestyle, along with um, making sure the church moving forward, you know what I'm saying? Making sure you're right with your congregation. How do you balance all of that, you know? Man, balance is a myth. Um, I, I don't know that you really balance it. Oh, really? I, I think there's certain seasons of life where you got to pay more attention in certain areas than others. Mm -hmm. And I think the key is being sensitive to the needs in your life. Like there's seasons where I'm busier at church, so I'm not at home as much. Yes, sir. Uh, there's seasons when I'm busier at home, so I'm not doing as many of the church things that I should be doing or that I need to be doing or, yeah. or whatever. I, I think the key is finding a way to recognize what needs your attention and when and then how to adjust to that yes sir. i think if we try to achieve balance we make the mistake of not being good at anything you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. honestly you know for, for me that's that's what i try to do you know yes, there's sir. times when i can't go to certain meetings can't do certain things because my children need my attention my wife need my attention um but there's times when it's like hey y'all i gotta go you know be, be, because the city needs me or the community needs mm -hmm. me or this that so just really recognizing the seasons of life and, and being able to kind of flow with, with what, what's needed in your life at that time. Yes, sir. Now, I noticed you said that there were times where you felt like you weren't leading the right life. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What would be your advice to someone who is trying to find and bring balance to their life? You know what I'm saying? Because obviously, 
like you said, everyone's not perfect. You know what I'm saying? We all go through things, situations come up and everything like that. But what will be your piece of advice for people who are trying to like live the right way and keep moving forward? You know, try, mm-hmm. uh, try. Yeah. That's the, I think that's the, the imperative part of what you just said is, is try. Because I know people that will say they're trying, but aren't really like you, you're caught in rhythms uh, of doing things negative or whatever the pattern is. And you're not really trying. Yes, sir. You know, like there's this difference. There's a difference between weakness and wickedness. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like like wickedness is to know the truth, to know the right way to go, to know the right things to do and just decide you're not going to do it. Uh, weakness is the struggle that all of us go through mm-hmm. as we do strive to change and be better and to grow and to walk in truth and all those kinds of things. Yes, sir. Um, so the biggest thing is be committed to the fight. Like mm-hmm. know that you won't always get things right, but get up each day determined to be better than you were the day before. And yes, that's sir. the best any of us can ask, like to yeah. get up and fight and push to be better and to not keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Yes, sir. Now, as like I said, as humans, we're not perfect. You know what I'm saying? oftentimes we'll have obstructed views of other people. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's say Brandon over there, you know, so he may have made a mistake, you know what I'm saying? But I'm only judging him off of that one mistake. And I'm encouraging other people to judge him off that mistake and see him the way I see them. Like, how how, how would you coach people through being that way? You know what I'm saying? Well, this, Not judging. So what our tendency to do, we tend to judge other people based on their actions. Mm-hmm. And we judge ourselves based on our intentions. And that's where we get life twisted. Yeah. Like I, I hold other people accountable by what they do and say. And if they do something, say something, that's it. But but then I give myself all this grace and space. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't mean that. Like we judge ourselves based on intent and not actually what we do. But we don't give other people that same grace. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so I mean, I guess the, the answer to the question or the thing that we have to do is um hold other people to the same standards that you hold yourself at. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? When you give yourself the benefit of the doubt, do that for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think one of the problems with expectations is is if we aren't if we don't realistically define our expectations and talk to people about what we expect from them, mm-hmm. uh, then we set ourselves up for failure. Yeah, because a lot of times what happens is we have this expectation of somebody, uh, but it's not spoken like we never articulated it. Mm-hmm. And then when they don't do it, we mad at them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now they like the scum of the earth. Or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, like, you didn't even talk this through. They don't know what you want or yeah. need. Or like, you have to have conversations with people yes, and set those boundaries and, mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things um, so that there's a mutual understanding of relationship and intention and what these things are, man. Yeah. But, How is it as people that we go about being able to see through that and be able to conversate with people, you know what I'm saying? As opposed to judging them or just thinking they're this based off of something someone else may have said about them or things like that you know because as a pastor i'm pretty sure you see that well, we gotta stop talking about people yeah like, we gotta, like, <laughs> real talk. like stop listen stop talking about people yeah. you know um you know the, the way i teach it in the church is what i say to people in in the in the context of faith is that we're responsible to protect the unity of the faith mm-hmm. which means that if you're part of a church part of your obligation is to protect unity um, and one of the things that destroys unity is gossip. Yeah. Um, it destroys unity. You know, mm-hmm. somebody come and join the church and they sit by you and, you know, 30 minutes in, you don't told them what's wrong with everybody else in the room. Mm-hmm. Like they were happy until they sat by you. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> yeah. What happened to they sat by you? And you start, you know, throwing all this dirt and it destroys unity. It creates friction. Yeah. So if you have a problem with somebody, that person should be the first person to know about it. Mm -hmm. They should be the first. And if that conversation goes well enough, they should be the only person to know about it. Yeah. You only yeah. bring in somebody else if you're having a problem resolving an issue with somebody. Yeah. Then you're going to get somebody that you think is mature, level-headed, whatever, bring them in to help bring a resolution about. Yeah. But the problem is we, we get mad with somebody and we don't approach them. Mm -hmm. We like we jump on Twitter or, you know, IG or whatever. And we start posting about people or we talk to other people like before long. We talk to everybody but the person we got. Exactly. With. Yeah. And so this person is walking around. Don't even know you mad at them. But now the whole city knows mm -hmm. because you're talking to everybody. That person should be the first. And if the conversation goes right, the only person that knows about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we got to take ownership of, of issues and, and have the courage to talk to people. Yeah, I definitely see that needs to be on the rise as well, too, as people, you know, what I'm saying conversation. There's nothing wrong with a healthy conversation between two men, two females or anything like that. Not now. I see that a lot of people won't necessarily know how to conversate without arguing, you know, what I'm saying and getting loud and combative and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying how do we steer away from that, getting outside of our ways and just being able to one on one politic with someone with no arguing, no drama or anything like that. You, you got to set ground rules for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and for the conversation. Um, number one, set the stage to have a conversation. Um, and what, what that means is approach the person, say, hey, we need to talk. You know, like I got an issue. I feel offended. Blase skip. But but when do you have time that we can get together and talk? Yeah. So you said because what we do is blindside people. We just run up on them mm -hmm. and then like it's something, you know, they're not even you've been thinking about this conversation for two weeks. So you yeah. got everything. You ready. And you're going to run up on them. Like, yeah. no, give them time to prepare exactly. and have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. So set the stage. Um, secondly, you know, respect, tone, volume, mm -hmm. name calling, like all those things are important. Yeah. Um, be respectful, you know, because you can you can articulate an issue with somebody. Uh, without attacking that person mm -hmm. because the moment you attack somebody you lose the opportunity to get through to that person yeah you know once i offend you in conversation i can't get to you no more because now that you offended you, you're swinging back yeah you need yeah. to shut down yeah now you're gonna say something yeah and yeah. and it turns into a situation where we're not getting anywhere in it you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying so the yeah. key is you, you don't want to be offensive you want to focus on what the issue is mm -hmm. and you want to come you want to get to the place where you could have a resolution. Yes, sir. Uh, and the third thing is, is seek a resolution. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, we're not talking about problems for the sake of talking about problems. Exactly. Like the key is to come to the conversation with, with at least an idea of a resolution in mind, mm -hmm. or at least with the goal of how do we fix this? How do we move on from here? Yes. Sir. You know, and, and, and that's gotta be the goal and aim. Yeah. I think those three things will be helpful and how we manage conflict and issues. With yeah. Well, something funny about that is there was a situation like that that I came across, you know, and a person wanted to talk to me like that. And I was like, you know what? All right. I bet you you cannot do this. I was like, I bet you you cannot tell me your issue with me without bringing up someone else's name or well, because so-and-so said this. And they're like, I was like, well, what's, 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 what's the problem? Let's talk about it. You know, it was like, and that just like that, yeah. there was really no issue. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Because people gas you up yeah. about somebody else. Like, yeah. And then, and one thing that I learned in life, because like I said, we're not perfect or anything like that, but you talk about something so much, point fingers at it so much, you're gonna become that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, like there let's just say parenting, for instance, you know, I can hold grudges from my parents like, oh, my parents should do this, I don't like them for this. Like, next thing you know, I'm carrying those same tendencies into my 
my parental role, you know what I'm saying? Or let's say I'm saying, oh, this person's fat. Like, I don't like that. They're fat. Yeah, yeah, they're lame. You know what I'm saying? Next thing you know, I look in the mirror. I'm like, dang, I think I did put on yeah. a couple extra pounds. No, seriously. Like, yeah. like you said, we had to stop talking about people and come together. Yeah. You know well, what we saying? overcompensate. Yeah. You know, you're so busy trying not to be something. You, you missed the opportunity to be what you're supposed to be. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. And one thing about not liking people is there's five, six lanes of the highway. You know what I'm saying? Like, th there's five, six lanes. Pick one. You know what I'm saying? If this lane isn't for you, go into the slower lane. Go into the faster yeah. lane. The carpool. Like, seriously, bro. Like, we, we missed yeah, that. You know what I'm We don't have to like everybody. Yeah. Like, we got to get that out of... We have to be respectful of uh -huh. everybody um, and treat people with dignity, but you don't have to like everybody. Everybody's not going to be your best friend or yeah. closest, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but there's a degree of respect and dignity you treat people with. Yeah. Period. I'm so glad that you said that because that's been one thing that I've battled since like preteen years. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. caring what other people think about me. You know what I'm saying? Like how, how is it that we get away from that of really caring what other people think? You know what I'm saying? Man, it's self, it's self like it, it's, it's twofold because in some ways there has to be a community of people that we do care about what they think about us. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when we when we create family, and that's the people we choose to be in relationship with, right? Yes, uh, friends, uh, husbands, wives, whatever. You know, those individuals, on some level, we do care what they think. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it, it helps us with our blind spots. You know, like, if you're married, your spouse sees things in you that other people don't see. Because mm -hmm. they see how you act in all these different spaces. They see how you act when you're with your parents or when you're with your coworkers or when you're with your friends from high school or when you at church or when you're doing, you know, so they see you in all these different spaces. And so they're able to see blind spots and that can be uncomfortable. Yes, One of the reasons some uh, couples struggle early on is because you get married and start living together and you, you know, you just spending so much time together, you begin to see these blind spots in that person mm -hmm. that you didn't see before. And it can create friction. So on one level, we need people that we trust and that we love and that we know love us um, and care about what they think mm -hmm. and, and what, you know, what they see in us because it helps us. You know, it's like a mirror. Uh, but then on the flip side, th this this kind of people pleasing, you know, notion where we want to make sure everybody is good and everybody likes us. Mm -hmm. That's unrealistic. You yes, know, it, it just it won't happen. And yeah. so we set ourselves up and it feeds insecurity when our goal is to try to make everybody like us and to make everybody happy. You know, no, my goal is to live with integrity and treat people right. And some people will like that. Some people won't like that. There'll mm -hmm. be moments when the choices I make because of character and integrity um, won't be what somebody wants me to do. Mm -hmm. There'll be moments when you say no to protect your boundaries <laughs> yeah. and people will be like, we're looking at this whole thing with Simone Biles now yeah. um, and, and her choosing to say no, you know, because of her own mental space and what she needed to do. Everybody won't like that. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's, it's this notion of of us finding um, like self-confidence yeah. in, in ourselves yeah. that, that it's not so connected to how everybody else sees yes, sir. Us. Now, as we close out, there's two things, you know, just take us through what it's like for you on Sunday as you're getting ready to step into the pulpit. You know what I'm saying? Because if you look at it, it's no different than an athlete stepping on the court, getting mm -hmm. ready for the for the game or athletes stepping on the field, getting ready for the game. What's it like? You know what I'm saying? What's your mental process? What's your process like before you leave church or Sunday? Man, it's, um, it, it's a lot of time in prayer. So I spend a lot of, it's a lot of time talking to God. Uh, it's a lot of time going over notes mm -hmm. and looking at, you know, what the message is and, you know, what points to draw out and last minute changes and, you know, yeah. walking through all of that kind of stuff, man, kind of getting those reps up of, of, you know, going over and over and over again, 
so that you can deliver in a way that connects with people. Yes, sir. Um, and then it's, you know, sneakers. I got to figure out what sneakers I'm aware. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the whole process in it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> the, the shoe addict, you know what I'm saying? I got to, yeah, I got to get the sauce right. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> You're funny. And la- lastly, as we close out, with me being a transparent person, you know what I'm saying? I, I like literally lay it all on the line, especially with my podcast. I try to get as deep as possible, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, come on. Let, let the fans know about me, you know what I'm saying? Like, as a guy who told you who struggles with um, mental health, obviously, you know what I'm saying? Everyone has make sure their mental health is right. But as someone who, like, gets lost at times, you know what I'm saying, to really find their true purpose, you know what I'm saying? I was really hoping you can close out with a prayer, you know what I'm saying? Like, a line-for-line line exclusive prayer, you know what I'm saying? Just, <laughs> just just something that'll make me go home at night and be like, you know what? Listen, let me listen back to what Pastor Kirby said, you know what I'm saying? And let me use that going forward, you know what I'm saying? For whenever I'm feeling low, you know what I'm saying? Whenever I need that extra strength, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what, let's what, do it. what could you give for us? Yeah, you know let's, pray. Go ahead. Come on, let's yeah, pray. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. God, you're faithful and you're holy and you're righteous. And we thank you so much for this time together. Um, you said in your word that before we were formed in our mother's bellies, you knew us and ordained us. Uh, and so I thank you so much for my brother here, God. Um, I know that you have plans for him. Uh, I know that there's things that you've called him to. I know that there's giftings, Lord, that you have for him. So my prayer is that he would fan into flames the embers of gifting that you've placed within him from his birth. God, he was born when he was born to the family he was born in, the experiences that he's had in this life. God, you use all of those things, God, uh, to, to, to make people into what they're called to. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to him clearly. God, I pray that in moments of darkness and despair, that you would give him a glimpse of future and purpose, God. Uh, I pray, Lord, as he walks through this life, God, that more and more he would come alive to what you've called him to do, Lord. Uh, I pray that he resists the the pressure and the urge to to conform or to meet other people's expectations, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would give him a confidence in who you've called him to be, God. I pray that you'd open doors for his life, Lord, be it through entertainment or media, whatever it is that you've called him to, God, lead him into that. God, I pray that you would close doors. God, opportunities that are not for him, Lord, uh, make it loud and clear to him. Yes, God, sir. we ask you for strategy that you begin to unfold more and more strategy for his life, God, of what steps to take, God, what moves to make, where to go, 